thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so thrilled to welcome you today to Jesus the Healer. Thank you for joining us, and I'm believing for answers for you, that you're going to receive help that you need. And I tell you what, the Word is our help, the Holy Ghost is our helper, and we are not left alone in this. Amen. We've been teaching for a while now on the mind, and I am so thrilled to get to do it because you got one. <laughs> And you never get away from it. And so you might as well have a mind you enjoy living with. You know, it's so funny because my mother, she, well, there were four kids in the family. My dad was a farmer and my mother, she was home with the kids. And uh, my dad was gone so much that basically she, much of it really ended up raising us single-handed. And she, believe me, she was capable. Uh, the four kids never overpowered her by any stretch of the imagination. But my mother made this statement. She said, life is too short for me to live with four kids I can't live with. <laughs> so she said, you're not ruining my life. And so it's the same thing that we say. Life is short. Yeah. And we're not going to live it with a mind we can't live with. Yeah. Amen. We're going to live with the mind that Jesus authored for us. And he paid the price for us to have a sound mind, a peaceful mind, and for us to be joyful in this life. You know, our life should not just be one difficulty with a little joy sprinkled in between. We're, we're to have a joyful life, a peaceful life. That is to be the flow of our life. And if circumstances show up, they're going to get swallowed up in the flow of joy and peace. Amen. Amen. And so we've been taking as our golden verse, our golden text, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Notice this, God has given us a sound mind. Amen. It belongs to us. It's part of our inheritance in Christ. And the Amplified Translation, when it describes a sound mind, it says it's a calm mind. It's a well-balanced mind, a disciplined mind, and a self-controlled mind. Amen. Well, how does a sound mind behave? How does a sound mind respond? One of my favorite passages is in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Paul was sitting in a prison and he wrote, he said, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want. Listen to this. For he said, for I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. That's a sound mind. That's a renewed mind that he's sitting in a difficult place. He's sitting in a hard place that somebody else put him in wrongfully. Yet he says, I'm content. Not content to be in there, but content while he's in there. 
And then we see what the word content in this setting means. Satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. Baby, that's victory. Right there is victory. Right there is mastery. Right there is skill with what belongs to you in Christ. Amen. Isn't that true? I'm so glad I've got a studio audience and they're ameners and I hope you're amening at home. I tell you. (laughs) Amen. But notice what Paul said. He says, I have learned how to be content. You don't just get good at this overnight. You learn it. How do you do it? Everyday circumstances, you apply the word. Every day, take advantage of the unimportant things of life to practice on so that when the emergencies of life come, you already have a skill set in that peace and in that joy. And let me tell you, joy and peace is to be the flow of our life. If we're not living a life of joy and peace, we're missing the target. Amen. The word tells us, it says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. Look at this, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we can say it this way, and that is the flow of the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the flow of the Holy Ghost. If we say we're word people and we're spirit people, we also have to say we're people of righteousness, peace, and joy, and that's our flow. Amen. That's what we demand out of our life. That's what we expect. And circumstances come that try to intrude into that. It's going to get swallowed up in the peace and joy flow because that's our flow. Quit, quit making. And I say to all of us, let's quit making worry the flow. Worry shouldn't be, fear should not be the flow. Crisis is not the flow of, of the believer's life. It's not to be. That's God did not author a life of crisis for you. Do the crisis of life come? Yes, but that's not our flow. We have the joy flow, the peace flow. Amen. Amen. Why is the joy flow so important? Well, one of the things is it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Notice this. Joy is a conductor of God's strength. If you're not in joy, his strength is not being conducted to you. Amen. Joy is a conductor of God's strength. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Nancy, by joy? I mean rejoicing, praising, being grateful. No wonder Paul in that same letter that he wrote in Philippians, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was deciding his flow. He was in the joy flow in a dark place because he decided joy would be the flow of his life, not crisis, not prison not a dark place. He was in a dark place, but he wasn't dark. Amen. And so many, so much of the time we have let through the lack of skill, we've let the wrong flow be the flow of our life. And God is telling us the flow of, our, of your life is to be peace and joy. Absolutely. It's to be peace and joy. So anything that's not going to contribute to my peace and contribute to my joy, I'm going to answer it and I'm not going to, I'm going to keep the door closed to it. Anything that threatens my peace and joy is going to have to leave. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, Paul said, I have learned how to be content. He had to practice it. Well, even so, part of learning to be untroubled. Uh, how do we know? Well, let me just say this. If we're listening to the wrong thing, we'll become troubled. Mm-hmm. If we're listening yeah. to the wrong thing. You can't listen to the right thing and be troubled. That's right. What's the right thing? What God says, his word. Now, 
there's an important aspect to this life of faith that we have to pay attention to, and that is our attention. What do we, what are we doing with our attention? What are we focusing on? What are we giving our thoughts to? What are we turning over in our thought life? What are you thinking about? Uh, That's what a controlled, sound, disciplined, calm mind does. It governs what it allows itself to think on. It pays attention to its attention. (laughs) Amen. We were talking about in the previous episode that uh, David demonstrated the force of having your attention on the right thing. That his faith, your faith is connected to your attention. That if your attention is on the right thing, your faith will flourish. If your attention is on the wrong thing, you injure your faith. And this is where a lot of people, they're, they're, they're so absorbed with their need. They're so absorbed with what they're feeling. They're so absorbed with what's coming against their life. But there is someone greater on the inside of us. There are the nine fruits of the Spirit that are mighty forces. If we will draw on these, they are part of our weaponry. They are part of our artillery. They're part of our victory flow. If we'll yield to them, but so much of the time, instead of thinking about what's for us and in us, people are occupied with what's against them. And uh, what we decide to have our attention on is what's going to gain movement in our life. And we are the one that determines where our attention goes. Amen. Amen. It's an important aspect. And this is part of learning. The walk of the sound mind is what do you have your attention on. Now, um, as we were saying in the previous episode, we were talking about David. He went down, his dad sent him down to check on how his brothers were doing in the battle. And so uh, David went down there. He found all the Hebrew, all the Hebrew men hiding. <laughs> they were in hiding because Goliath would come out every day and taunt and threaten the armies of God. And so all these men would see Goliath and they, they, they would see him, then they'd see them and they would measure and say, I can't whip him. So they would get in fear and go hide based on what their attention was on. They heard his words. David came down, and at the time that he came down to the battlefield, Goliath is coming out at that time of the day, and he's taunting God's army. And so David sees Goliath. He sees what the others saw. He hears Goliath. He heard what the others heard. But he, his, the difference was you say, well, he had faith. Yes, he had faith, but encompassed in that faith is what he did with his attention. Yes. That he was not measuring himself next to that giant. He was measuring that giant next to God. Yeah. Yes. When we have our attention on worried thoughts, we have left God out of our thoughts. When we are thinking about what we cannot do, we have just dismissed God from our thought life. And I tell you what, we not only have to have faith in our hearts, we have to have faith thoughts. I said we have to have faith thoughts. Now, faith lives in our spirit. I know that. You know that. But we can have faith thoughts. What is that? Thoughts that agree with the word. Amen. Amen. And so uh, David comes out and he tells King Saul, he says, I'll go fight these, I'll go fight Goliath. He didn't have a problem in the world fighting fighting him. But how did he approach the giant? He rehearsed his past victories with God. 
Don't forget yeah. how, what God has done for you in your past. Don't forget the miracles of the past. Don't forget the healings of the past. Quit looking at people who didn't receive their miracle. Quit looking at people who didn't receive an answer. Amen. They're not your, they're not your governor. They're not what you govern things by. The word is our governor. We're, we, we're, do, we're to be dominated by the word. And this is what David did. He measured that giant next to God and knew that that giant had no hope. <laughs> Amen. So he starts talking about, he tells King Saul because King Saul questions, my goodness, sending a young man out and the future of this nation of Israel is in his hands because if Goliath wins, then the nation of Israel becomes a slave nation to the Philistines. And so uh, David had, David did not let his attention go to the wrong thing. And that's how come he was able to be bold in his response to King Saul. He said, I was tending to my father's sheep and a bear came. He said, I took that bear by the beard and I took that sheep out of his mouth. This was not long distance combat. This is hand to hand combat. He didn't call for daddy to come do something with his bear. He was there. He did something about it. And I want you to know you're there with the greater one in you. You do something about your situation. You don't have to wait for somebody to pray for you. You don't have to wait for someone to agree with you. God's already in you. Now, it's fine to get someone to agree with you, but I tell you what, David didn't have anybody agreeing with him. Not one of them. Not even King Saul agreed. I mean, he finally led him, but he had to, com- he had to convince him based on his previous wins. And so he not only said that he defeated a bear, he said also defeated a lion. And what was the outcome? He didn't just scare them off. He slew them. So he knew what it was to win. He knew what it was to win. And that's what his attention was on. That's what his focus was on. When the enemy, haven't you ever had this, that when you're faced with a need, the devil will parade so many testimonies of people who failed. People who died of that same condition. People who lost their homes. People who their marriages fell apart. He'll parade all the ones you've ever heard about. Why don't you parade God's successes to him? Amen. You be, you be, the, you be the parade master. Amen. You, and that's exactly what David did. He started parading the successes of God in his life before King Saul. Amen. And so he convinced King Saul to let him go out and to face Goliath. And I love David asked a very important thing. And this is what the other military men failed to focus on. Now, we were reading in the previous episode, and we won't take time to turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says that looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the, he, it says that, um, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What does that mean? He focused on the joy. He didn't focus on the cross. What was the joy? What he would come into on the other side of the cross. He didn't focus on the cross. What's that mean? Don't focus on the problem in front of you. Focus on the victory that belongs to you and what you're going to come into on the other side of that test. That's what you focus on. That's how you look to Jesus. Look how he did it and do it the way he did it. That's what, that's one way that that means that. And so this is what David did. I love what he, David asked a great question, teenager. And he asked the question, 
What's the reward to the guy who beats this big, this big boy? What's the reward? What's he doing? He's giving himself a joy to focus on. He's giving himself something to see other than the big guy. The reward was great. In fact, the military men told him the reward. They all knew what the reward was, but for them, the reward wasn't enough. They weren't willing to get on the other side of Goliath. They didn't think that reward was worth going after. But faith focuses on the right thing. Faith is for, look at the increase, the promotion I'm coming into, the greater revelation, the greater anointing, the greater fruit bearing for God. This is what faith focuses on. It focuses on what's on the other side of that test. So these other military men, they all knew what the rewards were because they, they told it to David. They said, number one, the man who defeats Goliath will be given great riches. That means overnight millionaire, billionaire, overnight rich. Rich, uh, rich not according to society's terms, but according to the king's terms, what the king calls rich. So... In one day, you, you might be a soldier. The next day, you're the richest man in the nation. That's number one reward. That sounds pretty good. That sounds like something good to focus on there. The second thing. Now, see, you think, you think of this. Uh, David thinks, yeah, I could handle being rich. Yeah, that sounds good to me. The second reward was this. They said, whoever defeats Goliath marries the king's daughter. What? What? I get, I get the top. I get the high, the, the most desirable maiden in the land is mine. Beating this guy, I get, I get the best. When he marries the king's daughter, he marries into royal blood. That means all children and it's not just, this is, this reward's not just right. going to affect right. the one who right. wins. This is going to affect the future generations. Yes. When God has rewards, it's not just for today. It will affect generations. Yes. When you obey God and come into the fullness of the promotion that God has for you, it's not just about what, how's your life going to turn out. It's your grand, it's your babies and your grandbabies and your great grandbabies. Amen. Because God doesn't just think in terms of one generation. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the, he's the God of generations. Amen. And he's thinking in terms of generations. And this reward would affect future generations born into royal bloodline. That's a big reward. And you say, well, what'd she look like? It don't matter. It don't matter what she look like. <laughs> She's a reward. Amen. <laughs> you know, how people think. Then number three, there's another. It says that he and his family will be free from service forever. No more taxes. You don't pay any more taxes. Amen. What's that mean? Goliath is a tax deduction. <laughs> Amen. He's the biggest tax write-off. Not just of David, but of his family. Yeah. Yes. Free from taxes. Yes. Yes. Threefold yes. reward. Yes. 
David went out. He did not see Goliath as a big boy. He saw him as a big tax deduction. That's the biggest tax deduction I've ever seen out there in that field. And he took after him. He didn't just wait for Goliath to come after him. He ran after him. Why? Because he's running to the other side of Goliath. He's not just running to the man. He's running to the reward on the other side of Goliath. Amen. How did, how did this young man do this? It was all about his attention. It was all about what his attention was on. I want you to know that your faith and your attention run together. They run together. That's why God says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, My son, attend to my words. Put your attention on my words. Amen. Talk about the reward. Instead of talking about the need, yeah. talking about the problem, yeah. having that on, ha- having your attention on the wrong thing. Yeah. Amen. David won against someone physically bigger. Mm-hmm. David could not calculate just in the natural how can he win against a man because he factored in his covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not against people calculating when they come into a new year or different times throughout the year, people will sit down and calculate a budget for their life. That's, I'm not against that. You don't calculate a budget to see how much you can have. You calculate a budget to know what more do I need to believe in beyond what's, what's expected to come in. Don't let a budget be your limit. The thing about a calculator Uh, whether it's on your phone, whether it's just a a calculator on your desk, it doesn't have an anointing button to factor in. It doesn't have a victory button to factor in. If you're going to live by the calculator, you're going to cheat yourself. Because David, if he was just going to live by what he could have calculated, he would have never become one of the richest young men in the nation. He would have never become the, the one who is now in line with his, his own family in line for the, for, for royalty. He's in royal bloodline now. Amen. Amen. He is not, he is not giving up the reward. He's thinking about the reward. When you're faced with the test, your first thought ought to be, what's the reward on the other side of this thing? Go after that reward. I said, go after that reward. Now I'll say this, uh, his reward was connected to his attention. People think they have faith problems when if they really just pay, if they would take notice of their attention. Sometimes they just have attention problems. If you'll get your attention off the wrong thing, you'll quit being troubled by the wrong thing. You'll get your attention on the right thing. The right thing will bless you. Amen. Now, you have to practice holding your attention on the right thing. I'm telling you, you got to practice. When things are, if I could say this, pressuring you, Because there can come great pressure against the mind in a test. There can come great pressure. You can feel it on the mind and on the body. And it doesn't feel good. Get your attention off the mind. Get your attention off of what you feel. Get your attention off of what you see. Practice that. Hold your attention on God. Hold your attention on the Word. And can I tell you one of the best things to help you hold your attention on God is praising I tell you what, when you're, when there comes, tries to come such pressure against the mind, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I mean, just get loud. <laughs> Why? You're grabbing your attention. 
You're yeah. grabbing that back and you're throwing that attention on the right thing. Yeah. Amen. You're throwing it on the one that can deliver you. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, you say, well, Pastor Nancy, isn't it hard to hold your attention on the right thing when wrong things are bombarding you? It takes practice. Yeah. It does take practice. Amen. Practice on the little things. Yes. Practice on the unimportant things of life. And as you do, when the crisis of life, the emergencies of life show up, well, that's not faith to say there's emergencies and crisis. You just know they're going to come. Yeah. <laughs> faith does not dismiss you from tests. Faith gives you the answer in the test. Faith always has the exit out of the test. And faith causes you to thrive in the test and not being pushed down or pushed backwards because of that test. Now, one of the things to do to have a, to practice holding yourself, your attention on the right thing, live full of the word. Live full of the spirit. I want you to look at Colossians chapter three and verse 16. Colossians chapter three and verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Notice that. Richly is a measure Mm -hmm. that if the word can dwell in you richly, it can dwell in you less than richly. But it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Because when you're full of the word, opposition is no threat to you. I said, when you're full of the word, opposition is no threat to you. You know, there are some some men that have these off-roading vehicles. These off-roading vehicles are equipped for the terrain. Mm -hmm. They're equipped to go up hills. They're equipped to go over rocks, over boulders, maybe through streams. Men with these off-roading vehicles, they look for streams. They look for uphill climbs. They look for boulders to go over. Why? Because they know what's in their control. They know what's in their possession. Amen. You don't have to go looking for the devil. You don't have to go looking for problems, but know this, when they show up, you're equipped. You're equipped. When you have that word dwelling richly in you, I tell you what, you are stopped with divine help. Not only that, the Holy Ghost is your bystander, your standby. He will empower you that no matter what terrain you're facing, there will be power more than enough to to get you past that terrain of that test, of that opposition. Amen? When you're full of the word, it's easier to hold your attention off the opposition. Because what you're full of is what's going to get your attention. Fill up with the word and you will be so full of the word that everywhere you look, you see the word, you see the word, you see the word. Amen. I love what some students asked one minister. They said, you know, because he has a large ministry and said, you've faced a lot of tests. I'm sure you've faced a lot of tests. And he said, I guess I have. I just haven't noticed them. Yeah. Amen. They're not worthy of our notice. They're just worthy of mastering. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you with us today. And we invite you to come back next time. And remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org.
please join us for our annual ladies conference at World Harvest Church in Marietta, California, October 4th through the 6th. Everyone is welcome to attend. For more information, visit our website at thefraneministries.org. If you need prayer, please call our prayer line. We have trained ministers on staff who are ready to agree with you for your miracle. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.